Hey, listeners, thank you so much for joining us for the second season of Midlife at the Mailbox. Over eight years ago, Denise and I met during a chance meeting at our neighborhood mailbox. Over the years, our friendship has blossomed into something bigger. We can't wait to tell you all about it. And although we no longer share a mailbox, we really are closer than ever in real life. This meeting at the mailbox inspired a friendship, a business relationship, a lot of laughs, a couple tears, and now a podcast. So come along and listen in. We're so glad you're here. Picture it, Glenview, Illinois, a sunny spring day in May. Two neighbors come to meet at their mailbox to pick up their daily mail. The conversation ensues. Let's listen in. Hey, Amy, how's it going today? Hey, Denise, it's so great to see you. Oh my God, I feel like it's been forever. I know. What have you been up to? Oh my God, I've been so busy. Just yesterday, I was up and out of the house. Before 9 a.m., I had already taken a shower and gone to the grocery store. I had received an email. I had spoke at a local chamber of commerce last week, and the executive director sent over the list of emails. And so right after I got back from the store, I put together my email out to all of the um, attendees. Um, And then I had a client that reached out to me for some help on an email platform. So I needed to jump on that. And then I had to, I forget already. Oh, then I had a a, a beauty appointment in the middle of the day, because you know, I'm all about my self-care. And after that, I had therapy. And then I had to sit down and work. I hadn't even like really, truly, aside from the emails that I sent out, I hadn't even like started my like work day and I had social media to post for my clients and I had to finish an email blast. And so by the next time I look up, it's like after seven. So it's so, so nice to like be out of the house and seeing you at our mailbox so I could divulge my entire day. It was so, so busy. Amy, you are busy. Okay, everyone, (laughs) mailbox listeners, does this sound like a common conversation that you might have with your other adult friends? Because if you do, that's what we're here to talk about today. We're really here to talk about this idea of being busy, quote unquote, and this seeming cultural uh, fixation on the, the more the busier you are, the more productive you are. That means the better human being potentially you are, right? And and we, you know, Amy really brought up this topic, and I agreed that this is wonderful to talk about because especially in midlife, we find ourselves busier than ever. And um, you know, we're just here to talk about today what that feels like for us, um, what that feels like for our clients, what does that feel like, you know, as we are all the different roles in our life, whether it's entrepreneur, wife, mother, daughter, friend, uh, you know, how that all relates into our lives. So um, Amy, was that a real day in your life? Uh, Yes, that is actually a real day in my life, except for the grocery store happened actually today. But that is that is typically a day in my life is that I, as we've talked about in our episodes of past, I do have my non-negotiables that I do truly try to get done the Mm -hmm. morning half of my day. Um, And then by like 11 o'clock, I usually like to sit down and start my work. Um, But Mondays always, always tend to be a busy, busy day for me. The start of the week always tends to be, 
Yes. And I would like to, and that's something that as I, as I speak to my therapist, like something that I'd like to figure out a better way of planning my weeks so that not everything falls on a Monday. And I think that's all. I think we all are, right? And if you get the anecdote for that, let the mailbox know, right? We might, we might hit a million downloads on that, you know, on that (laughs) note, but I think it's a slippery slope, right? It's difficult to find because you are juggling lots of things and, and, and I don't think that's uncommon, right? I mean, most people out there, Americans, let's just speak for Americans, Americans um, are carrying different roles in their life. And then, you know, that just plays out, especially when you're a parent, a working parent, potentially, or just someone that's really involved in different aspects of their life. And you didn't even mention in that, you know, kind of made up half truth, half, half <laughs> mock story, Caleb or Mike, I'm sure you were doing things in between prepping up dinner, uh, fielding phone calls from your mom, you're super close with your family. Um, so. Dave- oh, yes, there is. There is no dinner. Last night, <laughs> we ordered pizza and wings from two separate restaurants that Mike went and picked up. But at my grocery store run today, we did pick up some food. So I will, I will make an easy, an easy dinner. But Denise, what have you been doing? Have you been super busy? Do you feel like, you know, you've got this addiction to needing to stay busy? You know, I like being busy and the idea of being busy is, is something I enjoy. I think because I, I, fall prey to the this idea that being productive is better and I like but I like feeling that way it doesn't give me uh stress or anxiety for the most part most of the time now I will say last year when I was volunteering as the PTA president of my children's school and also trying to build a business and being a wife and mother that was too much that was yeah. too much for me um I did feel anxiety and stress that I have never experienced and I like being busy. Everybody knows me, people that know me well know I like being busy. And I feel like I juggle it decently well, but not last year I did not. Um so that's why I had to step down from that role. I, I said, you know, I had to I didn't normally get to your term and I said no, but you know, I like it, but there's a balance, right? Because not everyone can kind of roll with my liking of busyness even in my right. own little nuclear family, right? My husband needs space and chill time, as we call it. And in the beginning of our marriage, we call it the chill police, right? I, you know, on Saturday, I'd be like, <laughs> let's go, let's do this, let's go that. And he's like, Denise, I got to chill. I got to watch the Laker game. I got to sit here and like, just do nothing. That's how he revives himself and refreshes. But for me, I do like feeling, especially socially busy. I like that. So it's always a balance for me. But when it's too much, like in 2021 and 2022, I knew that wasn't healthy for myself. So interesting. Well, and I feel like too, and I'm going to go back before that. So like through the pandemic, one of the things that we recognized was that we also really enjoy being busy, but the busyness that we were used to were things that brought our family like to life. So things like going to watch Caleb play hockey and going to the movies or out to dinner or to, you know, to travel and do all of the things that the world basically, you know, said, nope, you can't do this anymore because you are going to get COVID. 
that was very hard for us. And when we recognize that, we realize that we in, we do like you enjoy that that socialization of of busyness. However, where I think that we're going to take this conversation is that there is in our society this addiction to being busy. Whereas like when we say addiction, just as harmful as drugs, alcohol, being addicted to your phone, online gambling, those, you know, different vices. Busy is also something that you get addicted to. Like there's, I don't even know if it's necessarily like a rush, but you often feel like you, that's like the common thing. So when you asked me like, Amy, what's going on? And, you know, we were kind of half joking. Oh, I'm so busy. Think about how often you as a person say that to somebody else when they ask you. Right. There was a meme I was looking for. I couldn't find it today, but it was a meme where I've seen it. And it says, um, you know, typical, you know, typical line an adult says is like, after blank, right? After this week, after I get through blank or this week, I'll be so much less busy. I'll feel so much better, right? And then usually the truth in that is that you're not because something else comes up, right? And then then it's like, you know, the next, the next event or the next prep up that you there's always something so um there's always something if someone finds that meme let me know it's a funny one (laughs) I remember growing up and when my my mother was a teacher and everything that we needed from her like if it was like a bigger project she was Mm -hmm. like in the summer in the summer and so like became like a running joke because she couldn't get it done during the school year but in the summer she also couldn't get it done yeah And now she's retired. We were just chatting about that Mm -hmm. offline. And we're saying like, you know, what do our parents do? My mother is constantly so, so busy. She is the busiest retired woman I know. I don't know if any of the other listeners out there like feel the same way about, about your parents, but they, I don't know. I don't know what it is that she does all day, but she is super, super busy. (laughs) Right. And I mean, I think, you know, if you like being busy and it's not stressful, like, you know, keep doing what you're doing. But I think, like Amy said, we're talking about maybe potentially the pitfalls of being too busy, right? Or or feeling that if you don't like being busy, but feeling like you have the need to say that because it's like a status symbol, right? Um, which also isn't good, right? right? And it could, you know, and it has a lot of downtrodden effects to the kids if you have them or, or even just other people in your life, right? Um How do you think that, how do you think, Denise, that as a culture, we got to this point where busy is seen as this like status symbol? Do you think it's like a more recent phenomenon? Do you think it's been around for a long time? Well, I think that Americans have always tended probably to have a busier quote unquote life than maybe other cultures just due to the fact that we are an entrepreneurial or enterprising society in general. And so, you know, it's like the mantra, the the harder you work, the more money you'll make, or at least the last hundred years that seemed to be the the case. So, you know, this idea that I have to work more, right, um, to get money. I mean, we know now that that isn't always the case. However, you know, that hardworking American dream didn't come from that saying didn't come from, you know, 
a minority of people. It came from a majority of people trying to strive for that, right? And, and, and with good cause, right? It, most of American history relates to that, right? Um, however, I do think that the advent of of the internet and you know, and, and our phones potentially also allow us to always quote unquote have the, like literally the power of of the world's information in our hands at any time of the day, whether it's eight in the morning or one thirty in the morning, right? So you can be quote unquote productive or doing something all times of the day. So I do think that that you know before if you wanted to research. Uh, let's say if you were doing a project about Beethoven and you were a student, you know, prior to 1980, you probably have to wait to go to the library the next day. There was no way in the middle of the night you were going to, unless you're an encyclopedia, <laughs> I guess. But that was like up, at, that was not even, well, I mean, in the 90s, I had like the online, not online encyclopedias, yeah. but I had like the, the CD-ROM yeah. that I could put into my computer. Right. But prior right. to that, Yeah. Yeah, you would have to wait to go to the library the next morning and research Beethoven if you had forgotten to do a research paper, right, if you were in high school. Now, technically, you could, if you would remember at 10 o'clock at night, you could, you know, bust out the internet, get some basic sources, probably log on to your, you know, your go school library. Go to chat library. AI. Yeah, chat GPT. Yeah, and, and, you know, use your, you know, or use your online library access. Yep. And, access to like all the same books you would have gotten in 1980 if you had to go and wait for the library to open at 9 a.m. the next morning, right? So I think that, you know, advent of technology has helped us in so many ways, but I think it also maybe puts some sort of guilt or um, obligation that if you're sitting there and doing something, like sometimes I'm watching TV and I'm like, oh, Ella wants, my daughter wants me to buy her this, like something at Target, right? Oh, I could go on there and buy it right now. So it's ready for me tomorrow morning. But 40 years ago, I would have had to wait to go to Target the next morning and I probably would have been a lot more relaxed. <laughs> but so you kind of, so you think that with the advent of all of the technology at our fingertips, that some of this culture busyness is probably added over the past, say, 20, 30 years. I mean, I'd say so. I mean, it's hard, yeah. you know, hard to say with a full certainty because, you know, I also was, you know, 20 or 30 years ago, I was a child. Right. So I, mean, I, my parents were busy, but I remember them being very busy. But the difference was that, you know, they could turn their work off at night. Um, you know, my mom was a school teacher, so there was no classroom. I mean, she still would ha not have that problem, but she wouldn't even have a computer to work up lesson plans. And my dad was a salesman you know, most of his success came bef well before the internet. Um, he had a fax yeah. machine, but like even <laughs> then, like I guess even with the fax machine, right? I mean, sometimes he would be placing orders through a fax machine, sending them through because he was a traveling salesman late at night. And even that, right? Um, you know, 10 years prior to that in the 70s, he would have had to wait to go to the next morning to hand in his, you know, handwritten his orders, orders on microfiche, right? Uh, to send in. So- <laughs> So, you know, while I think that has helped us in so many ways, I also think it potentially has had cultural effects in the United States specifically, right? Yeah, I agree with you within the United States that I think that it's more here than even overseas in Europe. And I think the European countries have set it up in such a way with vacations and mm -hmm. um, siestas and like the mm -hmm. long vacation time, right? And then the maternity leave and just all of those pieces that 
you know, European countries provide to their people, I think help encourage a society where you are not always just busy. Right. And that you could, in the, in the forced, in the, almost like the forced relaxation. I was in a networking meeting the other day and um, one of the women in the group had said that they don't have like their PTO policy was like when I was at Groupon, which was you have unlimited PTO. And I remember like we, we took our vacation, like we took vacation time for sure. But, and even this woman was saying, even within her office, people don't take their vacation time. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely an American phenomenon, but it's horrible. Um- Take your vacation time. Yeah. And, you know, I hear that a lot of people, you know, my my candidates and my clients that come to me with burnout, right? And that's a very, you know, it feels like a very commonly used phrase these days um, because it is, a you know, it's a real thing, obviously. Um, People were getting burned out before, obviously, but I think that it has become, it has bubbled up to the surface as a more common conversation piece because so many people are experiencing it. I think the pandemic didn't help either because, you know, people were all at home working. They, they didn't have those community um, aspects that they did before where they could take breaks, you know, quote unquote, and feel, um, you know, feel at different aspects aspects of their community, whether it was through fitness or even just a commute, right? Yeah. Having a buffer. I mean, commutes are not always healthy and, and contribute to busyness, of course, but at the same token, you had a buffer between yourself and the office. Now, you know, when we were, especially when everyone was required to work at home, you didn't really have any. So people were working 12, 13 hours, right? Because they feel they had to prove themselves, right? Almost like a badge of honor. Yeah. That they were worthy of keeping their jobs, right? So- so I, I did a little research on this, Amy, uh, before yeah. we met because, you know, like you said, there's there's positives to busyness. And a lot of times in our podcast, we talk about being more productive, right? That's a common theme. We, you and I like feeling productive. But what about when it's not productive, right? When are some of the... Uh, what are some of the ways that people, a problem with busyness that you can kind of identify in yourself or maybe in others or loved ones? Um, and this is what... Uh, there's a psychologist, not Samantha Boardman, but another psychologist that I came across in my research. Her name is Dr. Christine Hibbert. And she talked about things that she saw as problems with busyness. Uh, The first one was being, uh, it distracts us, right? From deeper, more meaningful things, right? And so, you know, when we're busy, we don't have time to think about, you know, maybe some of the underlying problems that we have. Do Do you find that to be true? Yes. Yes, for sure. I think you you throw yourself into your oftentimes people throw themselves into work or they throw themselves into a project in order to escape their yeah. the thing that they that they know. So whether it be an, an unhappy marriage or um different life problems or different habits that they need to change you know they they you they people utilize being busy as this form of escape and, and a lot what, of, happens a lot of time with grieving people who are grieving the loss of someone um you know a lot of times people you know sometimes people you know want to crawl into a cave and hibernate right and and escape the world but other people actually you know appear to be super busy right you know you see that person who just lost 
you know, a loved one and, and they're, you know, you expect them to be, you know, kind of, uh, to themselves, but they're like, oh no, I got to do this and I got to do that. And, and it's, you know, I often worry about those type of people because I think, oh, I wonder when it's all going to come crashing down, right? When the grief is going to, you know, swallow them because they're not allowing themselves to feel that way. They're just escaping, uh, you know, escaping those feelings by keeping quote unquote busy. Right. So, right. So, so, you know, it, it's, it's definitely distracting from that meaningful and deeper connection, but it also, as we're talking about, it is that form of, it is a form of escape, which is, which is a bit, which is a, which is a problem, right? Because if you're not recognizing that you have, or you are recognizing that you have these, these situations, but, you know, by working longer hours, you're not necessarily spending as much time at home or spending as much time with your family. And it leads to, like it, it leads to that stress and burnout that we had talked about a little mm-hmm. bit ago, um, and that lack of a work life balance. So, you know, making yeah, sure so she that said that too. That was her second. That was her yeah. Second. That was her second thing. Was she mentioned it's a form of escape, right? So that was the second thing that she, you know, a problem or a red flag if you see it with a loved one or yourself. That it's yeah, a, you know, beware of it being a. Of escape, right? In a bad way. And sometimes that's a escaping can be a coping mechanism, but if it's going on for, you know, seemingly longer time than it should potentially, that's when maybe to, you know, raise concern with that person or yourself, right? Yeah. Um, it can also be, you know, Chris, Dr. Chris Hibbert mentioned it could be a false substitute for self-worth, right? Feeling truly self-worth, right? Because the busy you are, quote unquote, the more you're important, right? And the more things you to do means that you're getting things done and you're, you know, successful, right? Um, You know, and society reinforces this. Mailbox family, the 2023 job market can be tricky to navigate, but it doesn't have to be. Working with an experienced career transition specialist like myself at Denise Rabat Career Coaching can help you with common issues that trip up many job seekers, like how to do resume revisions, networking strategies on LinkedIn, how to answer the infamous interview question, tell me about yourself, and so, so much more. Visit my website, drcareercoaching.com, and click on the Speak with Denise button in the top right-hand side of the page to set up a complimentary session to discuss your current career needs and a plan that we can put in place to help you. That's drcareercoaching.com. Com. See you guys back at the mailbox. So the the negative effects and the and the vulnerability of being busy is that it leads to that stress, the burnout, the lack of the work life balance. And it also makes it difficult to prioritize what's really important, such mm. as the relationships, the self care, and personal growth. So, for example, if you are spending all of your time thinking, and I'm very guilty of this. I don't know how, how you feel, Denise, but I know I am guilty of this in the sense that I have to complete X, Y, and Z for my clients. And I know that I have to practice the self-care piece, but on days that I'm like yesterday, that I am super caught up in my whirlwind of my day, the one thing that is neglected from that entire day is me. When maybe if I would step away from the computer for 30 minutes and go for a walk 
or get on my treadmill when the weather is still crappy like it is here, the rest of my day potentially could be that much more productive because I've taken that time for myself. But there's this vo- this vulnerability that we are worthy based off of what we put into the world, right? So going back to if we're spending a lot of time working, that means we're being productive. And by being productive, that means we're achieving X, Y, and Z goals. And I know you and I talked about your clients um, and and the candidates that you're working with for their jobs. And, you know, um, and I want you to talk a little bit about how them being busy in terms of like how they're applying for jobs is often like a negative because they're like over applying versus, you know, quality, not quantity. And then I could see the same thing within my clients. And even in conversations that I had, like I recently had a, a call with, with, with a woman who has, who's a business owner. And she is like, I just don't have time. I like, I don't want to look things over. I don't have time. I just need to be able to know that I can hand this off to somebody. And that's a great piece to like recognize that you don't have time. But there's also a piece to it that like, what is it in your day that, you know, that you don't have even like five minutes to like review something that reflects you and your business, right? So I don't know, but I wanted to throw it back to you real quick to chat about from the candidate side, like what you see with candidates when they're saying that they are super busy. Sure. So, you know, a lot of times, like Amy said, I hear this a lot, usually the first meeting or the second meeting of when I'm working with someone and they're, you maybe they've been out of work a month and this is our first meeting and they'll say, oh my gosh, I've, I've, I've been out of work a month and I'm really concerned. Um, I've applied to over a hundred jobs and I've only heard back from one or none or I haven't heard back anything, or I've only gotten rejection hmm. letters. And, you know, I'll pause for a moment. And, and, you know, having met, like, over the last three years, I've met over 700 clients through my work, but mostly through LHH. Um, and it's a consulting company that I work for. And so when I hear that, I think to myself, oh, my gosh, my heart goes out to you because I know how much work it is to put in 100 job applications. And I'm not kidding. Someone, a woman like in the last two months said this to me uh, from one of the big tech layoffs and she was distraught. She was beside herself. And I said, oh my gosh, you know, I really applaud the fact that you put in so much time in your job search to do that. But to be honest, that's not the, we find that that's not the most productive use of the time. The numbers show that actually networking is a better use of your time, um, you know, applying to jobs. Um, Of course you have to apply to jobs. That's part of the gig, but there's no way she was a she was qualified for a hundred roles that she applied to. And, and just, you know, she just really flooded these different companies with like all sorts of different information. When, if she probably had applied to ones that were the most, you know, the best match, but then spent most of her time networking, that's a much more productive way. Right. So in that instance, being busy, uh, wasn't really, you know, she felt like she was doing the right thing by applying and just, you know, spraying and praying really. Um, but, you know, at least for job seeking, we just find that not to be true. Right. Uh, 
And so, so that's what that comes up a lot with my clients or my business. Um, but I think it's also an anecdote. It could be a metaphor for also, you know, you, you know, yourself personally, right? Um, you know, one of the pitfalls that Dr. Hibbert also talked about was that, you know, being busy can be addicting or it can be like a drug because right. you are, um, when you're busy, you feel good, that dopamine hit, um, you got adrenaline, you know, you, you feel like you're, you know, a part of something bigger than you are, but you know, is that really tying back to an to your long-term and short-term goals, right? So, you know, I always tell my clients that too, it's your short-term goals to find work, right? But what if you really wanted to make a change, right? And that's what we talk about a lot on the podcast, right? Finding that true purpose or um, finding, you know, you've done something for 30 years, but now you really want to do something else. And what does that look like? And not trying to lose sight of our long-term goals. And when you're busy, sometimes those extra things can get in the way. And if, you know, and then that really takes away from, you know, I think potentially your overall happiness in midlife or, you know, goals that you're looking to achieve. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So I think the alternatives to a culture of busyness is there are other ways to think about work and productivity and success that don't involve constantly being busy, right? So it's, I think, thinking about as we wrap, like, how do we reframe our thinking to prioritize our well-being and the overall quality of life while fulfilling our needs and desires for work and for play and for health and family? Um, And so I think, you know, having conversations with people who have experienced the negative effects of busyness, you know, firsthand and have found ways to break free from it. I know we've offered uh, over the past few episodes some potential um, ways on how changing small habits can also lead to, um, you know, breaking this cycle and to be able to kind of prioritize the self-care, that work-life balance um, over that constant pursuit of being busy. So thinking mm-hmm. about how there are small things that you could be doing within your day, you know, is it I'm going to work, you know, two hours and then every day I'm going to sit down at my desk at nine, work till 11. And then every day from 11 to 1130, I'm going to walk. And then I'm going to actually take a lunch away from our desk, right? So now it starts to take away from this. I'm going to sit at my desk for eight hours and I'm also going to eat lunch at my desk. And, you know, I'm not going to get any sort of fitness in. I think those are some of the things that you could start to think about is like, how are some small changes to your day able to encapsulate, you know, you versus this, like this badge of honor of being, of being busy. What would you say? Yeah, I agree. Time blocking. I think that helps me in a lot of that. When I time block, I can realize, you know, when to, when I can, you know, add in like fitness or whatnot. And I find when I don't do that, like a day like today and things kind of got like you know, a little bit um, out of my plan. So I'd say that, um, you know, another thing that, you know, Dr. Hibbert mentioned is a way that she consults her clients on how to overcome this busyness addiction or, you know, problems with the busyness is 
giving yourself like a detox time frame, right? Like, you know, maybe start saying no, um, you know, for a time period, whether that's like a season or a month and, and start, you know, saying no to certain things. Um, I find that that can also be helpful. I did that with the PTA. I was heavily involved in the school. And, you know, typically a PTA president will sit on for two years because, you know, you kind of the learning curve is high the first year. Sure. And then by the second year, you know, all the players, you've done the projects, you've done the budget, you have your, you know, your board in place and it, it, it should be a lot smoother than the first year. And, and while that was sold to me a lot, I by previous presidents and, and friends and colleagues, and as much as I was committed to our school, I really just had to say no for the betterment of myself, um, of my family, of my home life. And, you know, and I, I left, of course, the, the the school in good hands. I made sure, but that was a goal of mine. I actually said in January, I said, find a reputable president to, president to take over <laughs> for the next school year because I already knew in January that it wasn't sustainable and I hadn't even gotten to the quote unquote busy part of the year, which was the end of the year, which is right. really busy season for the PTA. So trying to say no to things you can. I mean, of course you can't say no to your work or you can't say no to, you know. But I think you can say no to an extent in work, right? I think that you can work on ways to say that you don't have the bandwidth to take on a particular project, right? I think for for entrepreneurs and solopreneurs like ourselves, we think that there's 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 two camps, right? Oh, you look like you're so busy. And, you know, my response is, yes, I'm I'm almost purposeful in terms of making myself look busy because there is a sense that if I look busy, that I must be doing really well. Um, and so, you know, I have a lot going on. You know, it's it it takes up a lot of my time but I still have time, right? So I'm making myself busy in order to prove to myself that I am valuable and I am worthy of potential new business that could be coming my way. And so that is not necessarily a healthy way of thinking about things, right? Because I should not need to feel valuable and worthy just based off of me generating new business, right? I am already valuable. I know what I'm talking about. I am a great teacher. And those are the things that I know that I should be telling myself on a daily basis to prove to myself that I don't need all of the other extra you know, extra noise, you know, in, yeah, in, you know, in, 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 in teaching me that I am important and that I'm, you know, worthy of these potential deals. So anyways, um, I think we have highlighted a lot of really, really great things here, Denise, today for our listeners. And I think the call to action that we leave you with is, do you want to stay addicted to being busy? Or could this episode be that heed to wake up and to kind of think about a deeper, richer life where you don't need to be wearing that busyness as a badge of honor, where you don't need the 
busyness to show you that you are important and valuable to show you that you are also worthy of all of the things that you, you know, deserve. Um, and if you're not busy, that you don't matter. You know, I don't think that if you're busy, if you are sitting on the couch at home and not out with your friends, like, you know what? Don't have that FOMO. Because <laughs> they're going to come back tomorrow and they're all going to be hung over. And you well, know, have you heard of you're feel really good. Have you heard of Jomo? What's Jomo? Job? Job? No, Amy, it's the joy of missing out. So a friend oh. of mine. I a love friend of that. Mine, a friend of mine shared that with me um, because I have a friend and she's a common phrase. She's like, I have FOMO, right? Uh, it's one friend. And then the other, we're all in a text chain of different moms at our school. And the other friend says, yeah, you know, so-and-so, you need to have JOMO, right? And we're all like, what the heck is JOMO? <laughs> I love JOMO. It's a joy of missing out. And so if, if that's what you need, right? And I mean, you know, if you're not busy, um, and you want to be, I mean, we have lots of productivity podcasts in our, uh, in our archives, but I mean, I think this is for the people where it feels toxic. Right. And I think yes. that's the takeaway is, you know, and I think building on some of the other habits we've talked about is starting small as Amy encapsulated today. Um, if you're a job seeker or just looking to make a change, sometimes less is more right. Uh, and that is also time blocking yourself or planning your day. Um, as it sometimes is, you know, as annoying as it is, um, can be helpful. Uh, also just saying no is something we've tried. I tried it. Uh, trust me. You know, people ask me, <laughs> what do you think about not being the president? I'm like, I'm so happy the school is in good hands and that my house is in better hands. Right. So, right. Um, and so saying no in that instance didn't feel great at the beginning, but man, it feels good this year. Um, and, and knowing also that the school, but the, but the thing about not about, it not feeling good at the beginning was that you were feeling like that you were letting people down. Right. So by saying no, there was like a, a vulnerability there in the sense that like, you're not, you're not holding up your end of the bargain, but the reality of it is, is that you were doing what was best for you. And that is hard. It is super, yeah. super hard to no, often easy. just do what's best for us. Tough decisions, right? And if you yeah. are feeling like you're escaping, you're using busyness as an escape mechanism, right? Um, you know, try to, you know, take one area of your life, right, where you can, you know, make it less busy, right? Maybe it's your children's activities or maybe it's um, one less, you know, extracurricular you're doing in your life, right? And see if that helps you um, feel a little bit more grounded, right? And then, and maybe you will feel, maybe you won't feel good, but then it'll kind of get to the root of maybe something that's kind of festering or bothering you, right? And then let that feeling kind of wash itself over you potentially and and maybe see what comes out of that. Um, you know, that's also something that Dr. Hibbert talked about, right? And seeing what happens when you're not busy can be even more telling than when you are, right? Um, if you Right, and how you feel. Yeah, yep. I'm using it as a form of escape, right? And if you do feel that way, of course, Mailbox advocates for finding help, right? Therapy, um, you know, using any type of community resource, uh, 811, mental health, suicide hotline, all those things, right? I mean, of course, we're we're going, um, we're going, you know, to two extremes here. But, you know, in that instance, right, that's potentially a pitfall of being busy, right? And then when you stop being busy, so we want to make sure that people recognize those things as well. Correct. Um, but, All but right. 
I think this was good. I, you know, got a lot of my busyness out of here. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Is there anything that you're going to do out of our conversation? Any lightning things that you're going to do so I can hold you to it next time? (laughs) Well, one of the things that I have been working on since the beginning of the year with my therapist is being comfortable with saying no and the JOMO. Right. And being okay with that joy of missing out. Right. And not feeling like I am missing out or letting somebody down because that is a big piece for me. Um, And so I've been better. I have definitely been better. I have the 24 hour rule where if someone asks me to do something, to be someplace that I know may not serve me a hundred percent in the time, right? I I don't even necessarily, I have still been asking for permission, but I'm told don't ask for permission. Just say, I need to think about it. I will get back to you and let you know. So that's something that I have been practicing is, is figuring out ways to say no when it doesn't necessarily serve me. What about you? Um, same. And maybe just avoiding trying to overschedule myself and my family. I, I can handle it, but a lot of times I realizing that they can't and that it's not a healthy thing. Cause I like to go from here to there, here to there, but you know, and sometimes you're right. Like the older I get, I'm finding that actually the joy of that is, is dimmed. And maybe that's a little bit with COVID when we saw like a slower lifestyle, which kind of was nice. And, and so Avoiding overscheduling if I can. So in a sense, that's also saying no to certain things, of course. But um, some of it I I kind of do on my own, which I should like, you know, I think, oh, I can squeeze both of these things in, kind of like today. Um, and, you know, that was, I don't know, I, I pushed it to the line a little bit too much. But, uh, you know, I'm trying to do less of that. But yeah, that's right. That's right. I'm trying to. I had a I had one of those epiphanies this weekend about something and tried to overschedule a Sunday and it didn't really work out, but it was good. I didn't overschedule my family. So I just did me. <laughs> and then and then we both forgot that we uh because we were both so overscheduled, we forgot that That's we were true. gonna actually try to record this episode. So then we what had a great straight- example. Right? What a great example. Yes, what a great way to end it. So by no means are we prophets, however, we're just kind of sharing an observation that we had. And we hope that this episode inspires you to be a little less busy if you are too busy. And if you, you know, and to maybe use one or two of our tips to try to make your life um, a little less hectic. So thanks, Amy, for being vulnerable here today at the mailbox. And Hopefully our next Anytime. mailbox chat, yeah, our next mailbox chat will be about how we decompressed and maybe took a little bit of the busyness out. So all you listeners have a great a great week and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. And that's a wrap for this week. In season 2, our goal is to share actionable tips with you. We hope this podcast episode leaves you feeling encouraged and full of midlife energy. Don't go away yet. Be sure to check out our show notes. And while you're there, click to join our email list. We promise we'll send only meaningful content. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram too for the show at Midlife at the Mailbox or our individual accounts for our own tips and tricks at AmyLAlex28 and Denise Rabat. That's Denise with a Y. 
Thanks, Mom. <laughs> so that we can come into your inbox each week and your feed almost daily. If you're a seasoned listener or just found us, we're glad you did. Make sure that you are following our show on your favorite podcast platform. And if you like what you hear, please share our episode with your midlife bestie and leave us a five-star review so more awesome listeners like you can discover Midlife at the Mailbox. We release new episodes every other week on Thursdays. At least we try. Our podcast is a production from the minds of two midlife besties and produced with love by the very creative Amy Alexander and Denise Rabat. Professional video and audio editing by Hivecast. See you at the mailbox. Bye.